The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Hi, how are you? What are you up to? What are you working on today? What's inspiring you? I know it's not the norm to start a podcast with questions like that, but I thought I'd try it because that's what we're going to be talking about today, the power of questions. Good questions can unlock great ideas. They can give you access to critical advice and support. They can even be the key to building lifelong friendships. But asking questions is a skill. It's a skill that Jonah Berger teaches in his new book, Magic Words, What to Say to Get Your Way. All this week, I've been talking to Jonah about using words to motivate yourself and others, to project confidence, and more. And you can listen to those episodes in your podcast feed or on our Next Big Idea app. But today, let's hear what Jonah has to say about questions, shall we? How can we ask better questions and and pose better questions? And, And one key insight is about asking for advice. Often, whether at home or at the office, we might be stuck on a tough problem. We're trying to solve something or do something, uh, and it's difficult. We can't figure it out. And so sometimes we think about asking for advice. We think we might ask a peer or a colleague who might know more than we do, but we're often reticent to do that. Why? Because first, we don't know if they'll be able to help us. Second, they might be busy. And third, even worse, we're worried they might think less of us. We ask them for advice. It looks like we don't know what we're doing, and so they'll think we're less competent and less knowledgeable. But it turns out that intuition is actually incorrect. Because some researchers at, at Harvard and Wharton did a very nice paper where they, they looked at asking for advice. And they had people have a variety of different types of interactions. Sometimes people asked for advice, sometimes they didn't. And they found that asking for advice doesn't actually make us look worse. And it doesn't actually change how we look. It actually makes us look better. Asking for advice makes us look smarter and more competent, not less. And the reason why, very simply, is that people are egocentric. All of us love to think that we give good advice. All of us love to think we're smart and and have good thoughts. And so when someone else comes up to us and asks us for our advice, we think, wow, they must be pretty smart because of all the people they could have asked, they asked us. And so what this suggests is, look, when you have a tough problem, ask for advice. Not only will that give you the information that you need to make a, a better decision or solve your problem, but it'll also make you look better as a result. So, Jonah, you say that one of the most powerful kinds of questions we can use is advice, asking for advice. Why is that so powerful and helpful? And why why do so many of us avoid doing it in the first place? Whenever we're stuck, we're in a tough situation, we're trying to solve a difficult problem, we don't know what we should do, we often think about asking for advice. We often think about talking to someone we know who might have insight, who's been in a similar situation, and and so on. But we're often very reticent to ask for advice. And there there are a few reasons. First, we don't want to bother someone. They're busy. We we don't want to get in their way. Second, we're we're not sure they might know the the answer. But third, even when we're not worried about bothering them or we think we do know the answer, we're worried about asking because we'll be perceived negatively. We think they'll think worse of us for asking for their advice. Yeah, we'll look weak if if we do it. What, you don't know what you're talking about? Shouldn't you know this yourself? And so we often don't ask for advice. But it turns out that's a, a mistake. Some researchers from Harvard and Wharton did some really nice studies where they had a variety of different type of people interact in a variety of different situations. In some of those situations, people asked for advice 
In others of those situations, they didn't. And what they found is that asking for advice didn't make people look worse. It didn't make them look less smart, less competent, and so on. But it also actually didn't have no effect. Asking for advice actually made people seem more competent, not less. Made them seem more smart, intelligent, knowledgeable, not less. And you might say, well, well why? why? Why would it do that? And the reason is that people are very self-centered. We're all extremely egocentric. Most of us think we give excellent advice. We think we have good opinions, we're knowledgeable, we're smart. And so if somebody else asks us for our advice, we go, wow, that person's really smart because out of all the people they could have picked to ask for <laughs> advice, they picked us. And so they're pretty wise to ask us for advice. And so when we ask advice, we take advantage of other people's egocentrism, right? Asking them for advice makes us look better. And so the I mean, clear takeaway here is ask for advice. Not only does it help us collect that useful information, get those useful insights, but it can make us look smarter and better as a result. I've had some experience with this where when I've been asked for advice on something, it is flattering, first of all. And yes, it, it does make me think highly of that person, maybe not immediately, but but eventually, especially if they take my advice, I'm like, oh, wow, we're both geniuses. You know, I gave them good advice and they took it, you know, so it, it can be this virtuous circle where you're kind of reinforcing your connection as well as sharing ideas. I'm curious if you've found yourself asking for advice in your career or in your life, or if you can share any, any times when advice has, has worked for you. You know, I, I recently, um, <laughs> recently asked somebody for advice, both because I wanted the information and because I was like, I've read the research, you know, this is true, so I should do it. I was, um, it was something related to the publishing process, and it was someone that I don't talk to all the time, but that I know and respect and, and like. And I was sitting there going, well, I've thought about asking them, and I, I want the information. Why don't, why don't I just ask them? And, and I think, particularly in social interactions, we're often overly worried about how that social interaction will, will go. We think, oh, you know, we're gonna bother someone if we ask them for advice. You know, if we say hi to someone we don't really know, they're not gonna like it. And we're so often wrong with these things. Not only does it make us feel good to have these social interactions, it usually makes other people good, which makes us be perceived more positively as a result. And so, sure, there can be certainly, there can be cases where we, you know, asking for advice in a rude way might be detrimental. So we need to do it in a nice way. But in almost every situation, in cases where we can generate social connection, as long as we're being polite and nice about it, it usually helps everybody. So did you get some good advice from the person who asked recently? I, I did get some very good advice. I, I did. And I have, I have since taken that advice and, and thanked the person who, who gave it to me. Oh, good. Tell me more about follow-up questions. Why are follow-up questions an especially good kind of question? Yeah, some, some researchers looked at uh, different social interactions, and they looked at what made those conversations go better or worse, and how people were perceived at the end uh, of those conversations. And what they found overall was that questions were, were useful. The more questions people asked, um, the more positively they were perceived, so the more other people liked them, um, and so on. But they found that not all types of questions had the same impact. We talked already about asking for advice. That's certainly one type of question. But they looked at a number of other types of questions, sort of what I'll call introductory questions, kind of getting to know you questions, reciprocal questions, and, and what we can describe as, as follow-up questions. And so introductory questions at the beginning of a conversation, we always say, how are you? How are you? That's a question, but it's not really a, a question, right? We're, we're, we're doing it to sort of have that phatic interaction and we're doing it to be polite. Same with, with reciprocal 
questions. If someone says, what are you having for lunch? And you say, you know, I'm having this sandwich. What are you having? It's a question, but it's not really a question. But follow-up questions are, are what they found are, are quite useful. And, and what are follow-up questions? If someone says, hey, uh, I had a really tough day at the office. Not just saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm so sorry to hear that. Why was it so difficult? Somebody says, I love that presentation. Not just saying I liked it too, but oh, interesting. Why did you like it? It's questions that follow up what someone else has said uh, already. And, and follow-up questions work because they show that we care and that we're responsive. Uh, a lot of times in an interaction, somebody says something and then we say something related, but sort of taking it in a different direction. And that doesn't always make the people who are talking feel particularly good. But if we heard what they said and we heard what they said enough to ask a follow-up question, it shows we're interested in them and, and what they said, which makes them like us more as a result. And I'm especially interested in this idea of reciprocal self-disclosure. I mean, the way that we can use questions to strengthen our personal relationships. You talk about this technique of getting close to people. Actually, the psychologists Arthur and Elaine Aaron actually kind of came up with a fast friends technique where they could they could make strangers good friends in like 45 minutes or something just through this series of kind of laddered questions that got increasingly more intimate and vulnerable. Tell me about how we can use questions in our personal lives to, to foster connection like that. So the key insight of these set of questions is social connection happens when people reveal things about themselves. So when you ask, hey, how are you? And someone says, fine, how are you? You've asked a question, but you haven't really revealed anything about yourself. If you say, hey, how are you? And says someone says, oh, you know, I'm actually having a really tough week. Like I've been up late because um, we have a young baby and they're not sleeping and it's difficult and blah, 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 blah. They've revealed something about themselves, which often leads you to reveal something about yourself, right? You might, if they had asked you, how are you? And you would have said, fine. You might've said, oh yeah, I, I totally understand. You know, I've gone through similar things and this is what's going on in my own life. And it encourages this cycle of revealing things, which deepens the social connection. The challenge is getting people to go there, though, because most people, if someone asks, how are you, don't jump into revealing things about their personal life. You need to have that connection before you reveal things, but to reveal things, you need to have that connection. How do you get there? And so what the questions do is they ladder some basic sort of low-level building blocks to build connection. They encourage some simple things where people go a little bit outside of the ordinary to reveal things about themselves. Then once you've done that, they ask some deeper questions. Then once you've done that, they ask some even deeper questions. And if you started with those deep questions, people probably wouldn't answer them because they don't know each other well enough or they, they don't feel like it's an appropriate time to reveal them. But by starting safe and then slowly building toward these more revelatory questions, you can get people to reveal things about themselves and deepen connection. I remember years ago, I was trying to think about my friendships and why certain people were my good friends and certain people weren't. I realized it wasn't about how much time we'd spent together. It was more about the kinds of conversations we'd had. And if I'd had a conversation with someone where we'd each sort of revealed some weakness or vulnerability about ourselves, then we had a bond. You know, the people who all my conversations are just super positive, like everything's great. Those people aren't my close friends somehow. So I think about this and when I am trying to get closer to someone, it's on me to both, you know, reveal things that are maybe uncomfortable about myself and, you know, ask them to do the same. If we can get there, then we can be real friends. If we can't get there, we'll just be acquaintances. 
I think that's a very insightful point. Some of us think, oh, to deepen social connection, you have to have a long conversation with someone. It's about how much time we spend with them. But as you noted, it's really about how we use that time. A small amount of time can be really deepening and connecting if we use it correctly. Similarly, you can spend a lot of time with someone, but not know anything about them and, and not feel connected to them. And so chit-chat with strangers can be great, can be useful, has its place. But there's also a place for deepening those connections by being more revelatory. Thanks for listening. Jonah will be back tomorrow to share one final insight, this one about the language of creativity. It turns out that certain words inspire more and better ideas than others. One quick example, next time you're stuck on a business or personal dilemma, rather than saying to yourself, what should I do in this situation? Try saying, what could I do? You might find that changing that one word could unlock creative solutions you hadn't thought of. Come back tomorrow to learn about the power of could and other magic words. I'm Michael Kavnet. I'll see you then.